With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I left the city I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. Joining me is part of our Smash Accept roundtable. You know, it's, it's been a while here, Mung, but I'm excited. You know, it's been two weeks. We had a little bit of time off there, but we have a special St. Patrick's Day. I'm rocking my green, you know, trying to have a little bit of fun because I look Irish, but I'm not. Mung, how you been? Good, good. Happy St. Patty's. Uh, my grandma's birthday is this week, too. So along with free agency, just a ton going on. But uh, happy to be back and talking some football. So you dropping some dimes about free agency to your grandma, trying to help her out with her fantasy team? Or what do you, what do you, what do you got planned for grandma this week? <laughs> she's actually uh, she's more of an NBA fan. So she's a big Chicago Bulls fan. So nice. I'm sure uh, I don't know how much about March Madness. That's coming up too. So this week is just jam-packed. I love it. And joining us again, we're, we're privileged to have Jeremy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of same thing. St. Patrick's Day, just kind of a lot of stuff going on. I mean, the free agent pools kind of just left and right. Guys getting signed and just craziness. Yeah, you're a busy guy lately. I mean, yeah. a, your podcast is, is starting out. I mean, why don't you tell people what you have going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, me and my co-host Ryan Mackey, who is Mackey underscore FFB on Twitter, um, started up a podcast. It is the Fantasy Football Playmakers. Um, we usually go live every Monday at 8, and then it's on any normal streaming app that you can get. Uh, other than that, I just actually went on with the uh gambling sport or the sports gambling podcast i just joined on as a writer there um on top of that i have some stuff at yards per mostly and i uh, actually kind of have some small amount of content with the fantasy scouts kind of just tossing a couple articles their way too i love it you know keep keep grinding these are two guys that if you do not follow them on twitter you should be because both of them guys always putting out a lot of content mung anything going on with fan tracks lately yeah, I know we're in the midst of free agency, uh, a lot of big signings, but I finally had time to look into this rookie class, so I will be dropping my rookie rankings fairly soon in the next week or two. Uh, you guys can always find them on Fantrax or just look for, look out for my tweets at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I love it. So it's been crazy, right? I mean, the free agency has been fast and furious. I feel like, you know, this time last year, we were all worried about COVID. Is there going to be a football season? It was a lot of indecision, you know. Now we're just excited, right? I mean, there's so much content coming on right now. There's so many guys signing left and right, deals that we're trying to figure out. And we really want to put this out there for you guys, the listener, of what you should be doing with some of these free agents and what these 
signings mean and not only the signings but some of the lack of signings or the the positions that have opened up so we're just going to go division by division we're going to hit you with up the pertinent signings and we're going to talk about what that means for your fantasy team so starting right off in the the afc east buffalo won the division last year you know it's been new england's forever and new england's really made a splash but buffalo makes a couple you know low-key signings here Darrell Williams, you know, John Feliciano, so beefing up that offensive line. Then they go and sign Emmanuel Sanders to a one-year deal. Um, you know, we Josh Allen has made himself a top three to five dynasty startup pick in super flex leagues. And really, Buffalo just added another veteran presence there. Gabriel Davis has looked great, good. Diggs has been phenomenal. Beasley's in there. Mon, what do you think of the Emmanuel Sanders signing? You know, one-year deal, not not really any kind of commitment there, but they get themselves a nice veteran presence. Yeah, I think this is one of those signings, much like I believe I said Sanders to New Orleans last year is a good signing for the team. Uh, for fantasy, I'm not going to be on Sanders at all. Um, I know there are some Gabriel Davis truthers out there who – you know, kind of went on an emotional roller coaster this week, first with the John Brown release and then with the Sanders signing. But I think the arrow is still pointing up on Davis. I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, and then also, I, I think they're talking about, you know, adding a tight end. So now might be a good time to see if you can get an early third or so for Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing Gronk potentially coming back to that Buffalo area. Um, Jeremy, you know, let's take a look at both these wide receivers. What are you willing to pay for Gabriel Davis? You know, is now the time to go buy him because some people might think the Sanders signing eats into a little bit. And then on the flip side, what would you pay for Emmanuel Sanders? You know, if you're a contender, is he even worth throwing something out there right now? I think Davis, I think I've seen some stuff that a lot of people are saying he kind of dropped to that more mid to late second round value for them. And I kind of agree with that. Um, I wouldn't pay too much more than that. He obviously has a potential to take over the wide receiver two position, but he's going to have to beat out Sanders. And I just, there's going to be too much risk to pay much more than a second. A second I feel comfortable with because either way, the bills were second in the NFL in running four wide receiver sets. So either way, I think both of them will be on the field a decent amount. Um, I think you'll see John Brown's um, snap count gets split up. And I think Gabriel Davis will see some more than what he had last year. And I think Emmanuel Sanders will get used. They didn't just go out and sign him not to use him. So, and I think he's still fairly effective. I don't think he's going to dig into completely into Davis, but as far as Sanders, I probably would pay almost maybe an early third. I mean, I'm not really looking to grab Sanders personally just because I don't know what he's going to be in the offense. Is he the fourth receiver? Is he the second receiver? You know what I mean? Like, where is he going to really play out? I think he's one of those guys that almost he'd be worth it to pay it in the season. Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to know yep. his role a little better. So it might be more expensive, but versus giving like, say, a third now, because everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, he's on a high, high passing volume team. These guys are he's going to produce like crazy. So there, people probably have a higher value on him now than what you're willing to pay risking the fact that he might not get that volume. Yeah. I like that. And that's a great, I talk about running the most four wide receiver sets. I mean, I think I purchased Gabriel Davis this morning for two thirds because someone was selling on a discount. I feel like that's smash except all day. If you can buy him for a late second for the kind of flash that he had and Sanders, you know, if you're in a rebuild, I feel like if you get, if you get some third round capital, some early thirds, this, this class is going to be great. 
John and I are going on after this with Angelo from Angelo Analysis, going to talk about some of these wide receiver classes. And the more I jump into these wide receivers, I mean, it is a deep class, and I'm excited for some of these guys coming out. Uh, let's move over to Miami here real quick. Not a lot of exciting things. You know, we signed Jacoby Brissett for a one-year, $5 million contract. Malcolm Brown signs, you know, not a lot of things. But, Mung, I think it's the the idea that Aaron Jones isn't coming to Miami, right? Miami – your, your guy, Miles Gaskin, got it one more step closer to a little bit more relevance. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I think it's kind of the calm before the storm because, if anything, the lack of activity in free agency probably foreshadows, you know, uh, uh, Javante Williams or, you know, someone in the draft. They have a ton of draft capital in the first three rounds, and I expect them to add a running back. So, I think Gaskin will still be a good complimentary back, perhaps even the lead. But if anyone thinks that he's going to that workhorse that he was last year, I would probably pump the brakes a little bit on that. Yeah. Moving to New England, this is where all the all, all the magic happened, right? So Cam Newton signs, you know, that one-year deal worth up to $13.6 million. Basically, it's an $8 million contract. So he signed a, you know, a good backup money. He didn't sign crazy startup money or starter money. So we're talking about it's startup season. You know, I got that thrown out there. You know, the uh, Smash Accept Listener League 2 just finished. The 25th round just went off today. So I might be throwing some of those things in there. But, uh, you know, Cam Newton, last year, he had 12 rushing touchdowns. That was fantastic, Cam. The eight passing touchdowns just doesn't look like the same guy. Uh, but now, you know, you see these memes all over the place of Bill Belichick, you know, like Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. Let's spend some money. Just take my money, you know. And they go and they sign Nelson Aguilar to a two-year $26 million deal. Kendrick Bourne, three years, 22. Hunter Henry, three years, 37. Jonu Smith, now the third highest paid tight end in the league, three years or four years, $50 million. You know, they get Trent Brown in a trade. They're really starting to try to beef up that offense. But are they? I mean, what are we thinking here? I'm going to start with you, Jeremy. Talk to me about this New England offense. You know, James White's obviously on his way out. There's rumor they're trying to sign Leonard Fournette and try to be a little bit more smash mouth football. But what do you think of some of these signings? I mean, I think it just it go it takes me back. I'm a Bills fan. I'm from Buffalo, so I've dealt with that entire uh, saga of the Tom Brady's won the most games than Ralph Wilson. So I think it just reminds me of like what they were for a while in the early like 2010 range there, where they had Gronk and they had Hernandez with just a cast of. I mean, they had Randy Moss for a little while, but like just this cast of low end talent quote unquote wide receivers who just kind of they're going to get the scraps from the tight ends and they're going to focus on those two tight ends they didn't just go spend 80 million to not throw to Johnu smith and hunter henry like i think they're going to try and necessarily they're not going to be gronk and they're not going to be hernandez it's probably not going to be that prolific but i think that's their goal i think they saw cam newton can't really stretch the field last year and i think knowing they're bringing him back that they're like let's focus on the middle of the field. Let's get the ball and these short passes to say John U. Smith and allow him to use his um, yak ability and create some plays that way. And I think with the four net signing, I think they're just going to go back to that running back by committee that they've always had. That's just how they've always ran that backfield. And I think it's going to take, if they do get four net, it's going to be a hit there for Damian Harris. And I believe Sony Michelle's still under contract. 
So it's just going to, I think, be one of those guessing games. And I honestly, for me, I actually took Hunter Henry in the listener league and I took Devin Asiasi. So now I have the entire tight end room. <laughs> so that didn't work out well. But I just think that I'm going to stay away from these guys as much as I can. I know it's probably sounds surprising, but I just feel like they both fall almost out of tight end one position because it's going to be a guessing game. I'm sure what week after week, it's just going to be, is it going to be Henry? That's the tight end one, or is it going to be John O. Smith? Yeah. And then for the receivers, I just, they, they're probably valuable in like a deeper league that you're running maybe three, four five wide receivers in. They might have some value. I just feel like it's going to be too much of a guessing game for me. Exactly. I mean, I feel like you still got Edelman in the mix. I got him in the 24th round of the, the last draft that we were doing, you know, so it's kind of a, a dicey situation there. Mung, you know, you and I have been talking John U. Smith all offseason. I don't own a single share of John U. Smith. And then in Listener League 2, I, I took him in the ninth round. I'm like, and I couldn't be happier when he got signed. And then Hunter Henry got signed right after that. So I'm like, yo, John U's going to break out. Like, he's literally the number one target there in, in New England. And then Hunter Henry comes to town. Talk to me about this tight end situation a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually pretty enthused still by both tight ends, and here's why. Uh, they're building all this talent along the offensive line. They have the two tight ends that they really wanted. They may be overpaid based on you know the actual deals, but everything is seems to me is set up for Belichick expecting to have a rookie quarterback on a cheap contract for the next four or five years. That's what it feels like to me, and I do think whether it's at pick number 15 or if they even trade up a few spots from there, depending on what happens, I expect them to draft a Trey Lance, a Mac Jones, you know, probably not going to be able to trade up to that top two spot. But outside of there, I do think that they're looking to make a move at quarterback. So I'm not worried because I, I like the two tight ends in that system, in that Josh McDaniel schemed offense. You know, they want to be this ground and pound game, but with the play action ends that can stretch the field and that's exactly what those two give you Janu more so than Hunter Henry but to me this is another classic example of Belichick kind of zagging while the rest of the teams are zigging right the league is moving towards a pass heavy you know smaller guys and that means smaller cornerbacks and smaller linebackers so how do you beat that with you know this massive offensive line Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to see how that plays out because we all know Belichick, you know, didn't have the pieces last year. Now he's adding in there. He's going to see what he can do. And uh, it's, it's exciting, you know, to try to see if they can put out something that's fantasy relevant because last year you weren't really starting anything for New England. Moving over to the Jets. Obviously, Jets aren't exciting, but Corey Davis now gets that three year, thirty seven and a half million dollar contract, potentially jumping in as the wide receiver one there in New York. Um, is Corey Davis trending in the right direction now? You know, he ended up having a low-key breakout in year five. Now he's going to go to an offense where he likely, you know, will see more volume, especially with some negative game script than he saw there, you know, in, in Tennessee, Mom. I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm not a, I'm not a Corey Davis guy. Um, to me, his mini breakout last year, you know, credit to him, but a lot of the defensive attention was focused on Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. And I just don't know if he can be that number one guy. And on top of that, you know, the Jets have a ton of draft capital in the first two days, and I could still see them adding another wide receiver. 
I think Rashad Bateman at, I think they have 23 uh, or 24 overall, something like that. That would make a lot of sense if he drops there. So for me, I'm staying away from Davis and I would sell for, you know, an early second or better. Yeah. If you can get that, I'm, I'm selling all day. Um, Jeremy, any thoughts on Corey Davis? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of same way with Mung um, that, I don't believe he's a true number one. I think his breakout was, like Monk said, a benefit of that offense and a benefit of um, A.J. Brown. But I think it was just interesting because technically he didn't finish his highest wide receiver finish of his career because he finished 26th in 2018. But what's crazy to think is that he only had 173 fantasy points that year. And then this year he had 182 and he was the 32nd wide receiver. So that's just telling you like, how crazy the fantasy, like the wide receiver pool is getting so deep that for me, I, even as a number one receiver, I don't, I, it's going to be hard for him to crack the top 24 there. I think I just, I don't see him as a true number one. I would have liked to see him go to like green Bay or somewhere that he could have been that second option. Like he was in Tennessee. I think that would have been the best for him fantasy wise, at least. Totally agree. Let's move on to the AFC North here. Uh, Baltimore, not much going, you know, Josh Oliver acquired in the trade with the Jaguars. Oliver was someone to, you know, in two tight end leagues and even back end dynasty leagues as a stash was a guy that looked like he was going to get an, an opportunity and something worth monitoring. Bengals again, not much either there, you know, like they're not, they're not doing a lot trying to sign things. I mean, resign Brandon Allen, nothing exciting. And you know, the, the, pretty much the entire division hasn't made any moves. Do you see any of these teams right now? You know, what kind of moves do you see them making? I mean, obviously, is Pittsburgh going to make a push in for a running back? What do we see in that situation? You know, is Baltimore going to make a push for one of these wide receivers? Cincinnati, obviously, they need to beef up the offensive line, but hasn't been a lot of signing. What are some moves that you guys want to see from this division? I think that, if anything, I think Pittsburgh goes the route of a rookie running back. I think, if I remember, the cap situation isn't the greatest. And I think that's their best strategy either that or maybe they'll bring Connor back I really don't think they will I just don't but I they're going to lean towards that cheaper option but a lot of the cheaper running backs are kind of coming off the board already so I think they might have just looked at it and and they're going to say we're just going to go with one of these younger running backs um and I think that's probably their route um but I agree I wish I would have seen with all these offensive linemen getting cut released and traded I really wish the Bengals would have made a move there yeah. I think there are a couple offensive linemen away from having at least a more competitive team. Uh, other than that, I think Auden Tate's possibly going to get a chance unless they draft a wide receiver because this class is pretty deep. Um, I think the, Bengals the offense, I mean, if they get an, an offensive line, I mean, priority one has to be keeping Joe Burrow upright, but we know that there's exciting pieces there. I mean, there's a lot of, potential to go into that offense you think they would be a lot more committed to trying to make sure joe burrow stays safe yeah you would think but i mean maybe they're trying i mean the prices in the i mean i don't know i just feel like it seems like some of these guys got signed fairly cheap and i think they could have at least been in on it but there's still some guys left so they might still be making some moves mung what's the one signing you want to see out of this division like where where do you want to see uh, not Kenny Galladay to Cincinnati. Um, I don't, I don't think it'd be the, the end of the world, but certainly if you have T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, that's not what you're hoping for. Um, and then there are rumblings that the Bengals might grab Jamar chase 
at five, but I really do think they're going to go with Sewell or Slater. They just, like you said, their priority or their top priority needs to be keeping Joe Burrow healthy. And he's coming off of the ACL. And the last thing that they want to do is let him get hit a a lot and lose that confidence coming back. Um, And I I did want to mention too the Josh Oliver trade um, to Baltimore. That's kind of interesting for deeper leagues. Uh, I don't think he's going to be very fantasy relevant, but just a name to kind of monitor. He was pretty interesting coming out of college. And then also, you know, they do like to use those multiple tight end sets. So he'll see some looks. Let's move over to the AFC South here. Um, I was, you know, start with the Houston Texans. I mean, the big news to Sean Watson, you know, he wants to sit out. Now all of a sudden, you know, he potentially sit out, hold out, once traded. And now we get four accusations of, of you know, sexual assault and, and, things like that. I mean, or not assault, but I should say sexual harassment. I mean, Deshaun Watson may have just put himself in a situation where he's got to, he's got to suit up week one. I mean, what are you guys hearing from Deshaun Watson, all the things that have been coming out in the last couple of days? And, and what do you think that does for this situation? Cause we have a lot of guys in super flex leagues where, you know, I've seen him fall into mid to late first in some of these super flex startups, because people are like, well, I'm not sure if he's going to start you know, right off the bat. And when he's playing, he's right up there, you know, in that tier right underneath Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Deshaun Watson has balled out. Yeah, I don't think I would drop him very far in startups, uh, probably to the back end of that tier, along with Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, just because the situation is so uncertain that you might not get him uh, for half for all the season this coming year. I do think that's a concern if you're a contender. So perhaps look into, you know, a Watson for like a Tannehill, DJ Shark and a early second, something like that, a package where you're getting a reliable quarterback, right? Um, But in terms of will he get traded, I don't know. I I do think that if he doesn't, he'll sit out. And to me, I think that, you know, this recent news with the sexual harassment or whatever it is, that's kind of a dirty play by the Houston organization. I mean, this just reeks of something trying to you know force his hand kind of like when des bryant there was some videotape of him in walmart's back when the cowboys and him were trying to work out a deal and it just i think that if if it wasn't already set in stone this was the last straw for him i mean he's he's out of there he's not playing another snap for houston based off all the videos i see of people from people of walmart.com and every time i go to walmart if I was a multi-million dollar football player, I'm not sitting foot in Walmart anyways. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to avoid that scenario. Yeah, I almost go to Target just so I could spend a little bit more to stay away from the riffraff. No no problems with Walmart, you know, but uh, just kind of getting a little dig in there. So Mark the di- at the Dynasty Lefty couldn't come on here tonight, but he did just drop a little, little line here that says, Watson to the Niners, you know, like I, that would blow our minds, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson to the Niners would be amazing, but – we, we can have that pipe dream, but it doesn't look like he's going anywhere, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – for the price that I heard that Seattle turned the Bears down for for Russell Wilson, Ooh, I yeah, do right? not see Deshaun Watson getting traded. I just think that his price tag has to be too high, and I think Houston, if they do trade him, are going to try and recover what Bill O'Brien did with DeAndre Hopkins and Laramie Tunzel. Yeah. So – I mean, I get the situation. He doesn't want to play there. I the, Now with the sexual assaults or harassments and he just, I just feel like he's going to be untradeable at this point just because of what 
organization is going to give him away. Nobody's going to give him away. Like you said, he's a top tier quarterback in the NFL. He's still young and <sighs> Mung might be right. He might not play it down this year, but I just can't see, but I see if he doesn't play this year, I mean, he might get traded just because Houston has to do something. I mean, you can't just let this quarterback sit on the bench. That is a top five quarterback in the NFL possibly. So well, you said that about know. Seattle. I mean, let, let's talk about that for a little bit. So the rumor is that Chicago offered three firsts, I believe a third and two starters mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson. Now let's, let's play the devil's advocate a little bit here. I mean, if you're the Texans and you hear that, this is a situation they're they're not in a quick fix. You know what I mean? I mean, they're in a situation where if you get that kind of capital for Deshaun Watson, I mean, should they be moving that kind of thing? And it, it's like the, the Bears fans, you had to be so excited to hear names like Deshaun Watson, names like Russell Wilson, and then they sign Andy Dalton. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the potential of that actually did happen. And then let's let's transition a little bit into Andy Dalton signing with the Bears. Mung, you're out there in Chicago. Talk to me a little bit. Yeah, well, real quick, back on Houston. The reason I do think that Watson will get traded is because they have Nick Casario now, who came from the Patriots organization. You know, he knows how to run a good organization, or at least how it should be run. And the question is whether the Houston's ownership uh, is really going to allow him to make the moves that he wants to make, because we saw what happened with Trent Williams in Washington, where, you know, they dicked around and, until they got nothing for him. And that's the last thing that you want with an asset like Deshaun Watson. Um, moving on to Chicago, uh, as a Chicagoan, I, I hate this so much. I mean, it, it made all the sense in the world that, you know, Pace and Nagy just needed to go after this past season. And, you know, basically they kicked the can down the road. They're giving them, you know, they're letting them, uh, you know, finish out their contracts. But it's just going to hurt the franchise more in the long run. And, it's another lost year. Who knows if Allen Robinson's going to sit out or not, uh, whether it's Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. This franchise just has no direction. And, you know, maybe the only beneficiary here is Darnell Mooney, who is going to get a ton of target volume if Allen Robinson sits out. Yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson obviously signs the franchise tag. We've been talking about on the podcast for months now about Allen Robinson finally getting an opportunity to play with a good quarterback, potentially, right? I mean, he's had... He's had Mitch Trubisky, he's had Nick Foles, he's had Blake Bortles, and we're like, all right, somebody might, you know, he's got this opportunity. They franchise tag him and then bring in Andy Dalton, who might actually be the best quarterback he's still played with, you know, but it's it's just a sad situation. We wanted Allen Robinson to get that opportunity to, to get out there. And Darnell Mooney's a guy we've been talking about a lot, you know, to, to stash, and we were trading on on playoff teams, you know, trying to grab grabbing four third round picks last year. Now that that ship has sailed, but it's still definitely worth picking up. Another quarterback situation staying in the same division. The Carson Wentz trade finally goes through today. Um, you know, what does that do? And then Marlon Mack re-signed with the Colts, which I was, you know, I was picking up Marlon Mack on the cheap all over the place, thinking maybe he signed somewhere as like a, a secondary running back who's going to get a, a decent opportunity. Now he's clearly just a handcuff, but let's talk about both of these guys. I mean, let's talk about this Colts situation. What does Carson Wentz bring to the Colts offense, and what does that do for Pittman and the other wide receivers there, as well as Jonathan Taylor, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, to me, Indianapolis is my go-to for Kenny Galladay. I'd really like him to go here. I think an add with Galladay and then Pittman on the outside, Paris Campbell playing the slot, then you've got Jonathan Taylor, now Marlon Mack, and Naeem Hines. I think that offense could definitely be potent. 
Um, I think Carson Wentz, personally, I don't know if he's necessarily broken. I think he's fixable, at least to a fantasy aspect. I think Frank Wright can kind of right his ship a little bit. And, I mean, you saw what that offense did with Phillip Rivers, and, I mean, he can't be much worse than Phillip Rivers. Now he had a great career, but last year he was not in his right mind. He just he looked like Breeze was last year, too, where they both just kind of looked like it was that time for them to go. So I just think that Carson Wentz just instantly bumps Michael Pittman. I think he's going to bump whoever else they bring in. And I think the tight ends too is going to be somebody to watch. I Is Doyle still under contract? I don't know if anybody knows. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you still have yeah. Doyle. I know they tendered uh, Mo Ailey Cox too. So, I mean, those two could be good, like second to third tight end options on a deeper league or a tight end premium league because Wentz does like his tight ends. So, I think it's a. I think no matter what, I think the Wentz is a big bump for all of the receiving options. And as far as Marlon Mack goes, I'm a little afraid that they want to kind of run what they did with Jonathan Williams, and I think they might just run with like the hot hand. And I think Jonathan Taylor is still going to get most of the work because he's just clearly the most talented back there. I mean, Marlon Mack is good. I mean, he's not bad, but he's coming off an Achilles injury, which for a running back is a little dicey. And I just. I think Taylor's going to win out, but I just see that his ceiling might not be as high as we'd hoped this year. Yeah, and Mung, I mean, we we talked about this right when when there was rumor of the Carson Wentz trade, and and all offseason I was talking about, hey, the Colts seemed like the ideal situation, you know what I mean? And we we're like, and you were, hey, I don't think it's going to work with the contract, and and it probably shouldn't have, right? But now Carson Wentz goes to that ideal situation where when Frank Reich was there in Philadelphia as the OC. That was when Carson Wentz was at his best. And I, I, I agree with Jeremy that he's not broken. He's definitely fixable. Now, I took him in Listener League 2 in the ninth round as my QB2. At, and that's the 19th quarterback off the board in a two-quarterback league. What kind of upside are we looking here for Carson Wentz? I mean, before the season started, I had him last year as my QB7. Now, I'm a little bit you know closer to Philadelphia. I was pretty excited. Where do you think we can slot him in the Superflex rankings right now? I mean, I have him, you know, probably in that 14 to 16 range. What are you guys seeing and what kind of range do you see for Carson Wentz? Yeah, in Dynasty, as of right now, I have him as the QB 15. So I have him just above Tua and Hertz because I think in this tier of quarterbacks, you're looking at a lot of upside. But you're also looking at potentially, you know, if it's one poor year for whatever reason, injury or otherwise, you know, they may not be a starter in 2022. And that's the only concern here is that they could be volatile assets. But certainly, you know, it's good for Pittman. It's good for the entire offense. It's certainly an upgrade over Rivers, as Jeremy said. Um, and then I, I'm actually a little bit down on Paris Campbell because they tendered Zach Pascal, who had a lot of slots. Uh, slot work and so I just don't know if Campbell can get up to speed on the outside he still has to develop after losing two years due to injury so I'm probably selling him now even though I was pretty optimistic on him going into the offseason and then with um, excuse me with Jonathan Taylor as Jeremy said the ceiling is the concern right everyone knows that Taylor's the starter they're not going to give a ton of snaps to Marlon Mack but Naeem Hines is the issue here because Frank Reich has shown us that he still wants to run a committee of sorts dating back to his time in Philadelphia. I'm sure you know that, Mike. And so, you know, I, I remember a recent Twitter poll of Dalvin Cook versus 
Jonathan Taylor if you're a contender. And I would stick with Cook because Minnesota's shown that they're willing to use him as a three-down workhorse, injury concerns aside. And we just don't know quite yet about Taylor. And that's why I'm hesitant to put him in that top three, top four dynasty running back range just yet. Yeah, and I mean, if you are if you want to be a, build a contending team right off the bat, I'm seeing Dalvin Cook fall into that second round consistently, you know, where he's just moving his way back and he's still got a lot left in there. So I like that. You know, I like, I like all the assessments there of Indianapolis, right? Where you guys have the quarterbacks pretty much nailed it the whole way across there. Zach Pascal is, is a nice little piece that you can add in the last couple rounds of your, your dynasty startup. I mean, I've been adding him. I got him in a couple of leagues where that, you know, don't have, strict rules as far as waivers they got free agents i've added him on there he's someone who's when he gets an opportunity the guy has has produced i mean it's nothing exciting but he's a decent bi-week fill-in that you can get there at the end yeah Um, he can uh he can be what greg ward was right he'll have a few spot starts yeah you're naming all my that was the the last pick of my my last draft was greg ward you know just, (laughs) just throw him in there at the end um let's move over to jacksonville you know um obviously urban myers there he goes and gets another ohio state running back gets carlos hyde on a two year six million dollar deal to obviously back up james robinson uh they agree to it to sign philip dorsett he's kind of neither here nor there anymore marvin jones is an interesting deal though short-term deal worth seven million a year so they go out there and they get another another wide receiver obviously you know trevor lawrence is going to be there so now we get carlos hyde you know always been decent in pass protection um looks like they're just trying to build a couple weapons here make trevor lawrence a little bit more you know comfortable when he comes in they franchise tag cam robinson they they go out and sign Tyler Shatley. I mean, there's a lot of things they're trying to do to make Trevor Lawrence a lot more comfortable when he first starts out here, Mom. Yeah, and I, I know everyone's excited about Trevor Lawrence, but you kind of have to pick and choose your spots because I'm seeing so much hype about DJ Shark, about LaVisca Chenault, James Robinson, and now Marvin Jones. And it's Everybody, like, well... Right? Right, you and, one, it can't be all of them. He's not. Well, he's not. I mean, he's, to an extent, right? Yeah, like it's good for all you know the rising tide that lifts all boats, but they can't all be fantasy studs. So for me, I'm prioritizing DJ Shark and James Robinson. I don't think the Carlos Hyde signing is very concerning at all. If anything, that's good news, and that they're probably not going to draft another running back early. Um, so to me, Shark and Robinson are the two guys I would be looking at in that offense. Jones will be fine. He'll be that spot start, you know, wide receiver three flex with upside. But again, you know, it's going to take time for them to build chemistry, right? Because he and Stafford had that kind of mental chemistry. And I just don't know if it's going to be their year one. And then LaVisca Chenault, you know, amazing athlete. I know people are excited about him, but He's still kind of that gadget slot guy, and you know he needs to stay healthy. And I'm just not quite there. I'm seeing him valued as a first round rookie pick in a lot of places, and and I'm, that's not where I'm at. I mean, you have to look at what Jacksonville's doing is trying to beef up that defense. I mean, they go and get four or five five guys on the offensive line. You know, obviously the big signing is Roy Robertson Harris. They go and they get Shaquille Griffin. I mean, they they literally they get Rayshon Jenkins. They're really trying to beef up that defense, which was a mess. I mean, we know that, but that they have a lot of, you know, potential to move around here. It's going to be an ugly year one. Uh, but I think Trevor Lawrence obviously is the truth. I think he has a great ceiling. Jeremy, where do you have him ranked in your dynasty rankings as far as Superflex? I mean, 
everyone seems to be pushing him up there where he's literally going right after Deshaun Watson in it as the, like the QB six, but where do you guys have him ranked right now? You know, I have talked to um, a couple of my friends, Riley Bymaster says I wouldn't be taking him in the top 12 as far as quarterbacks. I mean, where should we be comfortable slotting him in right now? Um, that's tough for me. I think I was very surprised. I mean, right now it's ADP. I mean, in all the startups that I've done in January for some crazy reason, um, are like right at the end of the first round and he's going, I want to say just after, like you said, just after Deshaun Watson and honestly before Burrow and before some of those other guys. And that's a little, that's a little too high for me. I, Trust me, I grind rookie film. I love rookies. I love college players. I love all of that. All the hype is great. I just, for me, I need to see it. And especially quarterbacks concern me coming out of college because as much as we want to argue talent over landing spot for quarterbacks, you could argue the other way, that the landing spot is key because 90% of their game is in their head. And if they don't have that right system or they don't have the right coaching or like you had said, where they don't set up a team to help say that quarterback do what he's good at it definitely could taint him and or just ruin him i mean you could use sam darnold as darnold came out he was a really high prospect i mean he looked great jared goff i mean how many of these first overall picks that just went into teams that were just so bad that it just didn't work so i'm not saying that trevor lawrence is going to be a bust i just for me i'm going to take somebody who's already established I mean, I would probably start taking him when you have guys probably after Burrow. I think once I, Burrow I goes, that, that's probably where I would start. If he fell there to when Burrow. But I'm seeing him go above Herbert. I'm seeing him go above Dak. I'm seeing – I feel like we're all just excited. We have that rookie fever. Most of us realize we don't have the 101 anywhere because we're savvy enough owners because we listen to this show. But we don't have that one on one. You're like, I can't get Trevor Lawrence, so I'm going to just try to take him way too early in the rookie draft. Yeah. And we never had this in the past as much, where like last year you weren't hearing about people taking you know those players that high. Joe Burrow was nowhere near that high when it came to startups. So I mean, I, I want to believe in the truth. I'm probably not ever going to get any Trevor Lawrence shares here. I feel like Mung. I mean, the price tag seems a little outrageous right now. Where do you have him in your current rankings? Yeah, I think where you guys said is about right in that Burrow Herbert range, right? And perhaps I could even see the argument for for Lawrence over Burrow, given you know the concerns with the knee, and then perhaps over Herbert too, just because we know that you know Urban Meyer is likely going to have Lawrence running quite a bit. That's how you get those fantasy points on the ground. Yeah. So I could see him, you know, over those guys. If you're really concerned about Deshaun Watson, maybe, but probably not for me. Um, he's in that, you know, in between that Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, and then Herbert Burrow. So between those two tiers for me, right right in there. Or if uh, you're Billy who who sent in one of his, his pictures from his draft, he took Rondale Moore at 103 in the startup. Did you guys see that in the group chat? I saw that on Twitter. There was It was – 101 Mahomes, 102 Josh Allen, 103 Rondell Moore. He said, you got to get your guy. Definitely not advocating that, guys. You know, you could probably wait another 12 rounds before you go and jump in there. And, again, we'll probably talk about that when Angelo comes on about Rondell Moore. And you guys know John gushes about him. Let's move over to Tennessee. Um, not a lot going on there. I mean, other than the only offensive signing, they signed Jeff Swain. And then Anthony Ferkser gets his opportunity, right? John who's out. 
we've seen some flashes with him in the past where when, when Janu sat, Ferkser was a guy who jumped in and, and put up some decent numbers. Um, clearly, they're going to be drafting some wide receivers, but with with you know Corey Davis leaving, I was just gushing again about AJ Brown again. I do it all the time. You know, I feel like AJ Brown, if we can get him up to 150 target area, you know, he's going to really produce top end wide receiver one. That's why I have him as my dynasty wide receiver one. People yell at me about that all the time, but sky's the limit for him. Talk to me a little bit about Brown if you want to earn some brownie points with me. If not, let's talk Ferkser a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not getting. I have Ferkser in a couple spots. I grabbed him last year. I didn't grab him now. Um, but I think I'm not super sold on him just yet. Um, it's kind of like, a, I believe it was a one-year kind of prove-it type deal. Yeah, I want to see what the draft brings. I'm curious to see if they draft the tight end. I don't know because obviously they're going to have to replace Corey Davis. But I think they might. Um, I think if like you get a guy like Raven Jordan or – Hunter Long or Pat Firemouth that kind of fall to them. They might take them because um, obviously I don't know how much they believe in Ferkser just giving him that one-year deal. Yeah, and and he's a guy, and if you run, play in one of those devilish two tight end leagues, which if you do, you are a glutton for pain because I tried it for a couple years. I hated it, you know, and, and that was when we had – the tight end position isn't anywhere near what it is now. Even if they do take a rookie, he could potentially produce here for a year. And a guy that's maybe worth, you know, throwing out a pair of fours or throwing out a late third here, if you're really in need for a starter. Mung, what did you see from him this year? Yeah, and I talked about Ferkser and my tight ends to buy before free agency article for just this reason, expecting Janu to move on. But, you know, I did mention that his upside is probably capped. You know, he'll be a decent tight end two option, I think, uh, simply because Tannehill does like targeting his tight ends a lot in the red zone. But athletically, you know, Ferkser isn't anything to write home about. So really, it's going to rely on touchdowns. Now, his upside, I will say, is like Robert Tunyon, right? Tunyon's nothing special, but 16 touchdowns. And I don't think that Ferkser is going to get anywhere near that, but Eight or nine, that's certainly doable depending on what weapons they decide to add. And Mike, I'm with you on A.J. Brown. I, I love him for this year. I, I do think that 150 targets is possible. He was the wide receiver 17 in PPR last year, and that was with missing two games and playing on a bum knee all year. So healthy A.J. Brown, sign me up. That's where I'm at. I'm glad you talked about Robert Tunyon because we're running a little bit short on time. But, I mean, Green Bay, what they did – in this offseason has really just made their draft one of the worst drafts imaginable, right? First round, we trade up and get Jordan Love. Second round, you get A.J. Dillon. Third round, you take Josiah DeGuerra. And we get into a situation where now you're like, Rodgers isn't going anywhere, you know? And then we're like, this is A.J. Dillon's breakout, right? I mean, he looked great when he got his opportunities. And then they go and spend $48 million on Aaron Jones. DeGuerra was the guy that was supposed to come in and then they never really let Tunyon really you know, jump in there. I mean, it has to be one of the worst drafts possible when we're talking about situations where they could have loaded up at that wide receiver position, which is what they really need. Green Bay, what are we doing here with Aaron Jones? What are we doing with A.J. Dillon? What are we doing with, with Tunyon? I mean, what are we doing with this whole offense? Where Aside from Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers, what, what's the play here, guys? Man, just uh, <laughs> that's a loaded I, question, right? But it was like I'm I'm sitting here before I jumped on. I was talking to my buddy, and I'm like, 
I love Aaron Jones, but now what? You know, are they gonna what what's gonna happen here? We we got so excited about Aaron Jones going to Miami or going to you know San Francisco and having AJ Dillon. And if you drafted them and had them together handcuffed, I love that situation where you have two guys together and one of them leaves and then you get two starters out of it. Now it's like, what's going on? Well, would you rather be a, a Packers fan and make the playoffs every year, but then you know get knocked out? Or would you rather be a Lions fan and not have that hope and then, you know, not have that crushing heartbreak when they do lose in the playoffs? And We'll have to ask Commissioner Breeze, you know, he's that <laughs> Lions fan. He's, every year he's talking about, like, little things with the Lions, and I'm like, it don't matter. It's okay. Yeah, and that, you know, so frustrating because I was very high on A.J. Dillon because if you think, you know, what are the rational moves that the Packers would do, it would be to let him walk, especially paired – with the rumors that he was getting interest for $12, $13 million a year. Instead, you know, it, it's hard to predict these things, but I'll stand by my estimation or my projection for Jones leaving because I think it made all the sense in the world, except, you know, sometimes you just lose. And I, I think the odds were good that Jones left, but, you know, taking that hometown discount to stay. And then also the Packers for some reason, paying a running back when they have so many other needs on the secondary for offensive line depth. You know, I just didn't understand it, but obviously Jones remains in that back end RB one range. And then Dylan, I've dropped him to that tier of, you know, like Tony Pollard, uh, Gus Edwards, those guys who can be flex plays on a weekly basis with RB one upside. If the starters are ahead of them were to miss any time. Yeah. I mean, we're talking Jones contracts, 48 million, 13 in signing bonuses, taking $20 million a year each of the first two years. And then it's like they can get out after that. But I mean, it's made it a situation that, that I know I was really telling people in startups to be hesitant with AJ Dillon. And he went in the leagues, you know, I did three startups. I did one with each of you guys. He went in the sixth, the eighth and the ninth respectively. And it's like, wow, you know, you, you basically way overpaid, gave up almost people were trading first round picks there. And it's like now, it's completely out of the out of the scenario, and it's kind of interesting to see how this shakes out and what it does for the value of these players. Um, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about Robert Tunyon. You know, I'm getting a lot of questions on Twitter about Robert Tunyon. I mean, is he the the value is still there? I mean, people are not still putting him up in that top ten to twelve range of tight ends because because it was so touchdown heavy. I mean, are you willing to right now? He's still that number two target in Green Bay until they come up with something else. Yeah, I mean, they still have Jay Sternberger, which everybody probably forgets about. But I don't know. I'm not big on Tunyon. I never was. I mean, he I mean, he performed last year. I mean, you can't say he didn't. But he put up numbers, like you guys have mentioned, that 16 touchdowns. The chances of that reoccurring, I think, are highly unlikely. Um, I think he will firmly be around 10. I was so I do think eight to ten, eight to ten yeah. touchdowns feel very realistic, yeah. and that puts you on the tight end one map. I mean, yeah, I mean, are... for me, I mean, I'd take that risk on Tunyon over, say, Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith. In my personal opinion, I just think that he has a clearer role. I think that they're all in that same range. I think once you drop off those top three, it's anybody's game. You know what I mean? You could have Irv Smith be a top five tight end this year. You could have Adam Troutman be one. I mean, who knows? I mean, like that there that that gap between five and 10 is like 30, 40 PPR points usually. So 
And I saw Mung get really triggered when you said him over John Smith there. And, <laughs> I know. I, I'm hating on him hard right now. I probably no. shouldn't be. I'm probably going to eat my words by like I, next the end of the year next year. But I, I'm on it as well. I mean, if you don't get those top three, and I always talk about this, I wait late for my tight end, you know, and I, I end up taking the guys like like Logan Thomas, and I end up getting a bunch of guys that just have you know some value in there because I feel like once people take those top three. Then we really start stretching, right? We we push up Hunter Henry and we push up Noah Fant, and you know we start pushing guys up way earlier than they should, not for the value that they are, but for the positional need. Instead of waiting, guys like Logan Thomas, like Robert Tunyon, those are the guys that I keep finding myself taking in startups because they're falling to decent values. Yeah, I mean, one guy I'm kind of I was high on him last year too was Hayden Hurst. I don't think he came like as high as he sh- could have last year. But I think this year, too, I mean, he's got Arthur Smith. I mean, we saw what he did with Janu and stuff in Tennessee. Maybe, I mean, yeah. he could, again, have a good chance at a, getting a decent breakout. And he's a guy you can get in 10, 11th round. And, and he's, wait he's on. on Team Ginger, which I'm always a fan of, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Like, I end up, like, I mean, Janu is the most expensive tight end I've bought now, all the startups. But I keep finding myself getting, like, Austin Hooper for nothing and, Jimmy Graham in the 20 somethingth round, you know, where he was still a back end tight end one, not advocating Jimmy Graham's going to, you know, lead you to the promised land or anything like that. But just more of the, if you don't get those big three wait, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Speaking of tight ends, Philadelphia seems to be completely, you know, Zach Ertz is out of the way. Zach Ertz rumor I'm hearing is the chiefs right now. So Mung, would that give him some, some, fantasy value back and, and give you an opportunity to get out on Zach Ertz, or would that be something where you'd be willing to buy in and say, you know, Zach Ertz could be relevant again? Oh yeah. I mean, that would be basically an ideal landing spot, right? I mean, any, anytime you get to play with Patrick Holmes, that elevates your, your fantasy stock, but even in other spots, I do think that Ertz can still be, you know, a decent plug and play tight end too. He'll get you a touchdown here and there. And, that's all you can really ask for. Like you said, outside of that elite tier of tight ends. So sure. I do think for the price that he's going for, you can probably get him for a late second right now. And staying in that same thing. I know I've been talking Logan Thomas a lot, but the Washington football team goes out and signs Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one year, $10 million deal. So that's got to, you know, increase his stock a little bit, get a go there. Then they go and they sign Curtis Samuel, which is, you know, they finally have a guy to pair up with, Terry McLaurin. Um, Curtis Samuel signs a three-year, $34 million deal. So paid like a decent wide receiver. You know, someone that's going out there. People loved him in Carolina. Talk to me about Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver position there overall in Washington, Mung, because it was one that we wanted to talk, we wanted to talk about quite a bit is what happens if Terry McLaurin gets a competent wide receiver two next to him. What happens if they get a wide receiver a quarterback where Ryan Fitzpatrick has elevated wide receiver ones over the past of really just pushing them to the next level with targets. Yeah, well, I'll start this off with, I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but the odds of Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the entire season are incredibly low. Oh, yeah, um, for and sure. For that plays, reason. When he plays, it's fun, right? It's Fitz magic. I mean, I saw so, someone tweeted out, they're like, can we get him to the Pro Bowl so he has a chance to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, what's it been on, like 16 teams? The beard is iconic, you know? Him coming out to the podium dressed in the Sean Jackson gear just gets me excited. I hope Washington signs the Sean Jackson just so we can see that again. Didn't he go yeah. to Harvard? He yeah. did. Mm-hmm. He has the high, highest Wonderlick score ever. You know, he's he's brilliant. 
but that beard makes him look just like a, you know, kind of a blue collar worker. I mean, he's great. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I didn't love him when he was in Buffalo. We can admit that, Jeremy. You know, it was like, <laughs> ah, he's all right, you know. But let's talk about the rest of the wide receivers here, Mom. Yeah, I mean, I love Fitzmagic for the memes and, you know, the Connor McGregor look. And he certainly can help elevate the fantasy stock of these wide receivers. But I do want to mention that I'm buying Taylor Heineke because I think that he's going to be the starter at some point this year. And he flashed enough in the playoff loss to Tampa Bay that I think that he could, you know, be decent. I don't know that he's going to be a long-term starter in the league, but we've seen Washington produce guys before like Kirk Cousins behind uh, RG3. So who knows? Uh, But certainly I like McLaurin. I think Samuel stays in that wide receiver three range. I don't know how much they're looking to throw. They've made a lot of additions to that defense, uh, even more so than the offense. And I think that this is going to be a balanced team that's going to be looking to run a lot more. And for that reason, I'm down on J.D. McKissick as well. Okay. All right. Now let's move over to the South here. I mean, we, we have to talk about the NFC South. We have to talk about the New Orleans Saints, right? We've all been, you know, there, everyone seems to be on one side or the other here. We kind of thought Drew Brees was going to retire. Then we saw a video of him with hair somehow pushing a sled, you know, like what's going on? Drew Brees is getting hair plugs, you know, um, Drew Brees retired. I mean, he's been so exciting to watch over the years. He's been the staple of consistency. That offense has really just thrived under him. And we saw when he was out, it it, it wasn't the same with Taysom Hill. Everyone's all like looking at this Taysom Hill contract and not breaking it down further. They're like four years, 140 million, but basically they can get out of it, you know, at any point here. It's just kind of a, a sweetheart deal to cut $7.5 million off their cap so they can sign some more, you know, free agents here. Jameis Winston signs a one-year $5.5 million deal, basically another kind of prove-it thing, has a max value of $12.5 million. So both of you guys pick a side here. I mean, is it going to be Jameis starting week one? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? And what does this mean for the other pieces in the offense? I mean, I feel like Jameis coming to town, if he's the starter, I think Michael Thomas gets an, an instant boost in comparison to where Taysom Hill is. But talk to me a little bit more about Kamara, some of the other pieces in this. And then, obviously, with Jared Cook leaving, what happens at the tight end position, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, for me, if we're going to go with the quarterbacks, I'm picking Winston, I think. He's more fun, though, right? He's more fun. He's just, you know, he's going to be eating Ws there. And I think that the, the, the struggle is, is which Winston are we getting? I mean, he had one good year in 2019 that he was a QB for. Other than that, he's been mediocre at best as far as fantasy goes so i think he leans closer to the like qb2 range i don't know if he'll produce that qb4 again that he did with tampa well let's let's talk about that real quick is like so drew Brees was incredibly accurate and he could he could stay zoned in that when Taysom hill got subbed in i mean you know drew Brees is that professional he's going to keep doing it right can Jameis winston do that though i mean if we take and we start taking Jameis Winston out on plays, and we know his psyche's been up and down at times, and he's been turnover prone. If we start, he's the starter, and Taysom Hill's coming in, in and out. I mean, what does that do to Jameis Winston? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's just, he's the biggest, he's probably the most polarizing quarterback right now, in my opinion. Like, you're either going to get a QB4, or you're going to get the 30 interceptions with not 30 touchdowns because he doesn't have that talent around him that he did in Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah, he's still got Michael Thomas, but outside of that, he's got some unproven wide receivers on the edge and you have Adam Troutman, who's still not proven. 
Um, but for me, I mean, the biggest hit here, no matter who starts is Camara, And I have been advocating it all off season. And I know people are probably like, you're crazy. But for me, I was moving Camara if I owned him because I just think that for me, he's our, he's, he can run the ball. He's not an incapable of physically running, but he gets all his points through the dump offs from Drew Brees. And I think if it's Hill, he's going to take off running. If it's Winston, he's going to just throw it in a triple coverage. So there's the struggle for me is Kamara. I don't know if he's going to finish as high as his value is where you're getting him in startups and or trading for him. You just made up for Mung. Like Mung was triggered when you were bashing John. Over a bit. <laughs> now now he's smiling over there. So in the, the startup we just did at the Dynasty Lefty, my brother took Christian McCaffrey, fell all the way to 108. At the 207, Kamara came back to him. So like what? the Kamar, yeah, I know, right? Like, like I, I was like, I don't even know how. Like the quarterback run went crazy, or the and then people were like, we got to get more in there. We got to get, you know, we I I had I ended up um, I had Josh Allen at the one hundred two, and then I traded up from my third round into that late sec or early first late second area because we, we found from our draft that it kind of tapers off and quarterbacks disappear. And I had the intention of grabbing one of these quarterbacks. They go crazy. I end up getting Josh Allen or not Josh Allen, Justin. Jonathan Taylor at 201. I'm so excited. I can't even talk about who I got at 201. But yeah, then I mean, Kamara I, falls all the way to 207, you know? So he's fallen into that second round now. I mean, I've seen Delvin Cook. I got Delvin Cook in a couple at like 26, 21. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Cook fall. Kamara usually is still up there. But Absolutely. I mean, you're right. that The listener leagues were crazy. I mean, <laughs> with the 14-team league, I think I got Burrow. At, I thought I was sitting at 1-8. I'm like, this is great. I'll have like Dak. I'll have Watson. I'll have Herbert. I'll have someone there. And then I ended up with like Burrow and I'm like, I mean, I guess this is all right. But like, yeah. I was like, I need to take a quarterback after this, it falls off. I'm like, what am I going to do? So the quarterback does fall off, but Jameis went after the 10th round in all of ours. Yeah. And Taysom went after the, I believe 13th in all of them. Monk, you know, I know you've talked a lot about the saints offense, but bring it home for us a little bit on that. Yeah. I'm out, I'm out on both. Um, I've never been a Jameis Winston believer. I do think that as a pure passer, he's better than Taysom Hill. And I do think that he's going to earn the starting role eventually. But that doesn't preclude Hill from still coming in in the red zone. Uh, We've seen that Sean Payton likes to just rotate his quarterbacks like he's playing in a super flex league. So he'll probably vulture some touchdowns. And then I'm with Jeremy on Kamara because, you know, that target volume was so key to his PPR points. And then also, I just don't know if this offense is going to be as efficient in general, whether it's Winston or Hill. And, you know, Kamara, I still have him as my dynasty RB7, so it's not anything crazy. But overall, there are a lot of quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends that I would take over Kamara. So I actually, based on my rankings, he'd be a third-round startup pick. And so I'm never going to get Kamara there. And I'm fine with it. (laughs) And then staying in the same division, I mean – Godwin gets the franchise tag. It's official now. Gronk has been actually re-signed in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady signs till he's 71 years old. You know, they started a position petition to like not let people over the age of 45 play. You know, <laughs> just try to get Brady out. Somebody else deserves to win a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the scary thing to me is when 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 quarterbacks change, you know, teams, it's usually year two where they have the biggest impact. And if Tom Brady can improve off of last year, I mean, you know, everybody's going to continue to eat. I've never 
this past year, I've kind of soured a little bit on Godwin. So let's talk a little bit about the skill positions there. We're almost at that hour mark, but quick hitters. Are we buying Evans? Are we buying Godwin? Are they all kind of the same kind of value that we had before? Monk? Yeah, I had a lot of bets on Tom Brady to win the MVP last year, plus a thousand. Uh, I'm going to be putting more money down on him this year. Like you said, year two in that offense, they have they kept the offensive line intact. They kept Godwin. They got Gronk back. We'll see about Antonio Brown, but I don't think that he's a primary piece of that. Um, we'll see about Leonard Fournette, but I think he's replaceable too. So I'm way in on Brady, Evans, and Godwin. Uh, the cliff is something to watch for with Brady as much as I love him, uh, but I'm not too worried about 2021. Jeremy, anything to add to that? I mean, I agree with Mung on everything. I didn't change any of their value. I think, like you said, Antonio Brown doesn't – I mean, I was never – to me, again, they were another team that I was kind of like – avoiding them because of the price tag on the players because of their name value. But I know that Brady's going to spread the ball because one week it's going to be Scotty Miller. One week it's going to be Tyler Johnson. One week it's because he's just going to throw to who's open. So for me, the main target that I want to own in that offense is Tom Brady. Outside of that, Arians is going to rotate the running backs like he did this year. It's going to be a guessing game and the wide receivers as well. So I'm kind of just Brady's really my guy after that. The value isn't, value is too high on the other guys for me to be in on them, but they're not bad pieces to own. I still, I mean, I'm three startups in. I got Mike Evans in every single one of them. Mung, I mean, Mike Evans seems to not be getting the respect of a guy that had seven straight thousand yard seasons and has the, you know, the opportunity to put up 15 touchdowns year in and year out. And you're getting him at wide receiver back in wide receiver two pricing right now and going in that sixth through seventh, sixth, seventh round seems to be the area that he goes. So if you go running back early, which you know, quarterback running back early, which we're advocating here at Smash Except big time, you guys have seen it. Those wide receiver values fall, and he's one of those guys in that range. So thanks again for tuning in with us, guys. I mean, it's been a, a fantastic episode. Great talking, talking shop again. Why don't both of you guys will start with you, Jeremy? Tell us where people can find your work again, what you're working on, and uh, you know, then we'll move over to Mung and close it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter. It's at HopesFFH. Um, any of my work, all my writing is at either Yards Per or at the um, Sports Gambling Podcast Network, as well as um, the Fantasy Scouts. Uh, mostly all my stuff, though, you can find a lot of it, links and everything on Twitter. So, Love it. Keep up the great work. And Monk? Yeah, I know. As always, you guys can find my stuff over at Fantrax. Like I said, uh, I'll be coming out with those rookie rankings pretty soon, so stay tuned for that. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, ask me any questions you want at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. We're about to really dive into those rookies. You guys want to tune in in about 45 minutes. Angelo from Angelo Analysis. Amazing, amazing guy. Because when you talk to him about how he does it from where his work is, you know, talking about sports movements and and his website i don't know if you guys have checked it out but it is phenomenal if you guys haven't check out the show thanks again for tuning in my name's mike you can find me at dynasty underscore dad ff and enjoy the process i forgot the closing